When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. And the All Blacks side to face Ireland and Dunedin this Saturday night is due to be named in uh, around about half an hour's time. We'll have it for you as soon as we possibly can. Questions about uh, where Scott Barrett is uh, going to uh, be playing this time around with Sam Whitelock unavailable. Patrick Tuopoloto rushed into the side. Uh, plus there's been uh, a number of backs returning after COVID absence, uh, absences last weekend. But uh, there are questions uh, about the All Blacks. But what about Ireland? Uh, and let's uh, find out a little bit more about uh, what we expect from them second time around. I'm really excited to introduce our next guest to you, who is touring New Zealand covering the Irish team for the Sunday Times. His name's Peter O'Reilly, and Peter and I have uh, a little bit of history. We played cricket against each other back in Down Patrick and in Belfast back in 1990 uh, in two one-day internationals. And uh, so uh, it's great uh, that I can finally uh, catch up with Peter. I haven't seen him since uh, those days, about, what, 32 years ago. Peter, a uh, really warm Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for your time. Hello. Hello, Peter. Yeah, I I'm hope here. you can hope you can hear me. I'm just saying, uh, welcome, welcome can... to the show, Peter, and and, and thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, delighted to be on the show, Ian, and, and uh, nice to hear your voice. Um, uh, happy memories of uh, of playing against those uh, the, that New Zealand team in uh, in 1990. Um, so yeah, lovely, lovely to be on the show. Thank you. Peter, uh, you uh, will get to that shortly. I, I was just going to say you're part of a very large Irish media contingent uh, over here for this particular tour. So I would imagine there were r- relatively high hopes uh, when you set off. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a year out roughly from from the World Cup, um, and there's great expectation uh, around this Irish team, given that um, they performed pretty well in the Six Nations, um, coming second in the Six Nations, and obviously um, beating beating the All Blacks the previous November. Um, so yeah, well, there's a, there's a reasonable media contingent out there. I wouldn't say we came out with high hopes necessarily, but um, you know there was talk about maybe creating history by. Um, but becoming the first Irish team to win on on uh, New Zealand soil against the All Blacks, um, mind you, you know if you look at history, um, the chances of that happening were always uh, against Andy Farrell's team. Um, but still, the two more games to go, so you never know. Well, that was exactly his attitude, actually. When I, I spoke to him uh, shortly after the game, he said it's only one nil. Um, and, and I'd imagine they've taken that attitude into their preparations this week. Look, they started the game so well last week, uh, Peter, and everyone thought, well, hello, this is Ireland after all these days. Uh, and then it fell apart. Could, could you put your finger on why, why they had that, that terrible patch for, for 15 or so minutes that effectively cost them the game? Yeah, I thought there were there were two big moments. Uh, um, first was around 14th or 15th minute um, when there was a scrum penalty against Ireland. Uh, probably just on the edge of the New Zealand, the third of the pitch. Um, now, there had been suggestions from right from the first scrum of the game that Andrew Porter was in a bit of bother on, on the loose head side. 
Um, so basically, we were I was sitting beside my um, colleagues in the in the the press box when when um, Ireland were given a free kick uh, after the All Blacks had had closed the gap at the lineout, and there was a bit of a sigh from my colleagues alongside me because we thought here's a situation where you've you've kind of, you're on or bound to take the scrum almost, but we knew that that there was a possibility that we'd be under pressure there. And so it proved so that was a big momentum swing. I thought you could see how happy the uh, the All Blacks were to win that penalty. And then about 10 minutes later, Johnny Sexton's departure. Um, everything sort of fell apart uh, around that time. And you wouldn't want to put it all down to his departure, but I don't think it was purely coincidental. It, it tells us story how reliant Ireland are on uh, a player who is 37 uh, so he's, he's incredibly important to Ireland. You might argue too important, but then um, when you have an outstanding player uh, who won't carry on to the World Cup, you've got to use him. So, But it's unfortunately, it came unstuck last Saturday when uh, he took that now. OK, let's look at uh, what Andy Farrell has available to him this week. We're hearing uh, Sexton has been deemed fit to play. He's passed his, uh, his protocols as such. Maybe not so the case for Dave Heffernan, who looked decidedly groggy after only about a couple of minutes on the pitch. What, what are you looking at uh, in terms of what uh, you think Andy Farrell might do this week? Um, I don't think there'll be too, too many changes, Ian. I think... Uh, uh, he um, he might make a change in the back three. There's talk about Mac Hansen uh, coming in for Keith Earls. Uh, Mac, you Super Rugby viewers would would maybe remember from uh, playing for the Brumbies. Uh, he has since relocated to Galway. Uh, he has a mother from Cork, so he he's um, he has played for Ireland a few times and made a good impression. So he, he may come in at 14. Um, there's going to be an enforced change at Hooker on the bench, as you mentioned, with Dave Heffernan being ruled out through concussion. So Rob Herring, the Ulster Hooker, is really the only option there. So he he's probably going to come in on the bench. Um, and there may also be a, a change at the, the cover for, for Tighthead with Finley Bealham coming in. Uh, we'll know that for definite later this afternoon, but I don't think there's going to be many changes. I think it's going to be a question of just trying to uh, improve performance last Saturday. There's no real easy beats on, on this tour. You're, you're here for five matches, uh, of course three test matches and two encounters against uh, the Maori All Blacks. So, uh, and the physicality levels are going to be constant in those all those five games. Did you under budget? Uh, do you feel that you, Ireland might have under budgeted uh, in terms of the, the the number of players that you brought? Yeah, that's that's a big talking point back home. Uh, Andy, Andy Farrell will sort of counter that by saying that he wanted to he wanted to put the squad under pressure, um, if you like, to mimic um, the intensity that you get during a, a World Cup campaign. Um, and there are times when people have to back up. Um, they have to play two games in a week, perhaps, or they have to feature in two games in a week. Um, the problem is that when you try and do this in New Zealand, you put yourself under huge pressure because it's not like you can just get somebody here in you know in a couple of hours. Um, and in France next year, obviously, it will be easier for Ireland, Ireland players to be called in. Um, uh, well, that that's actually it raises a different question about what can and can't happen during a World Cup. Um, so I think you know Farrell has he he um, he tried to manage expectations before departure by saying that. Um, that Ireland will win regardless of the results. That they will they will learn something about themselves, and that, that they can't lose if you like. However, you know I'd say within their own kind of group, within their own chats, 
they will feel that if they don't go home without at least one win, that uh, it'll be seen as a bit of a failure. So that, that puts enormous pressure on, on them to, to deliver a, a big performance this Saturday. Okay, uh, you've been with this uh, Irish uh, rugby side for uh, coming up 30 years now in terms of being a journalist. Uh, during that time, of course, you've had a number of coaches, uh, some New Zealand ones. The, the latest one, of course, was, was Joe Smith. Uh, can you tell us a, a wee bit uh, how Joe Smith is regarded, particularly uh, with a view towards how Ireland are playing now? Uh, yeah, I th- Joe's really um, is really uh, popular still in Ireland. I mean, they say that you uh, how you finish will will dictate how you're remembered, and and he didn't have a great finish with Ireland because we I suppose we sort of peaked maybe a year out from the world, the last World Cup in Japan and uh, as, as All Blacks fans will remember um, Ireland didn't really turn up at the, in the quarterfinals but um, that was uh, not representative of, of Joe Schmidt's time in Irish rugby he, he arrived uh, at Leinster in 2010 he finished up in in. So he was with Leinster and Ireland for pretty much the guts of a decade and became, I would say, it's it's reasonable to say that he was almost a national treasure uh, um, by the way, the success that he achieved with Leinster and then with Ireland um, and also by the way that he carried himself. Um, but he, he transformed uh, Irish rugby's expectations of itself um, by the levels of professionalism that he brought in. But he also, yeah. he also managed to, uh, to gain the affection of, of the whole country, the whole sporting country, if you like, by his appearances on television, by his, um, the way that he, he um, uh, also that he used to go around to lots of clubs uh, and, and appear, do Q&As and things like that without charging any money. Uh, you saw that as part of his job to to spread the gospel of Irish rugby, if you like. Um, so he's very he's very uh, warmly remembered. Um, and if you talk about, I mean, we spoke to Johnny Sexton about about Joe last week um, coming into the first game, and uh, he said that you know he he credited with uh, Schmidt with getting Irish players to believe that they could actually beat the All Blacks, uh, which was something that was a bit of a psychological block there. But for 2016. Uh, we had a, we had a very close call against the All Blacks in in, in 2013 uh, in the Aviva Stadium, and that became um, a sort of a, a launch pad, if you like. The, there was almost a, a sense of purpose that if we if 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 Irish rugby was going to go to the next level, that the All Blacks were the team that had to be beaten, and uh, he achieved that not once but twice with Ireland. Mm. So he's very fondly remembered, and um, he's always welcome back in Ireland. So, uh, in that regard, just following on from that, um, what about the the regard for Andy Farrell at the moment? Is the is the jury very much still out on him? Um, I'd say if you go back about uh, twelve months, then the answer was very definitely yes. There were uh, big question marks about um, Ireland's failure to move on to uh, for Farrell to to put his a very obvious stamp on the way that Ireland played. And and such was was Joe Schmidt's influence that there was also there was a kind of a period after his his um, his finishing up where uh, Ireland had to uh, find a new way of uh, uh, of getting out of certain habits, um, and those weren't necessarily bad habits. It was just that uh, Ireland had become very. Um, uh, I suppose they'd been looked at very closely by opposition teams, and they had to come up with a different a different plan. Um, and Farrell and Mike Cat did eventually 
come up with um, perhaps a more uh, adventurous way of playing. If you look back to the game in November, uh, Ireland's attack was really what stood out. Um, the, the way in which they uh, kept the All Blacks guessing with the number of short passes, the number of different running lines and things like that. Uh, I think Farrell also made a good uh, a good appointment by bringing Paul O'Connell in as his line-out and mm. kind of collision coach, if you like. Um, so Farrell is uh, safe in his job regardless of what happens on this tour. Um, he's um, By beating the All Blacks last November and by finishing a close second to France in the Six Nations, his credit rating's gone way up. So uh, if... Could uh, if he could become the first Ireland coach to to win New Zealand, um, he'd go uh, up even further. But um, that's a big ask, like we said previously. Really looking forward to uh, Saturday night. Uh, I think Ireland will give this one a, a, a really good uh, shake. Uh, Peter, uh, we're we're going to talk. Uh, ask you to put your other hat on now and, and just reminisce a wee bit with me because uh, two of uh, I, I only played Ireland in, in Ireland twice. It's the only time I've actually been to Ireland was uh, there, and I really only went to Belfast and to just down the road to Downpatrick, of course, back in 1990. You were part of the uh, Irish side that played in those games. One of my memories is all the secure when we played at Downpatrick, all the uh, British uh, soldiers and the artillery, etc., the tanks. Um, and the armoured vehicles which were outside the ground, which to us was completely and utterly foreign, of course. It was quite, uh, for some, it was quite unnerving. But one of my memories of that was that occasion, um, and yet it was life that you were pretty much used to. Well, to be honest, it was a different country um, for, for me as a Dubliner. Um, I remember that, that aspect, uh, and I remember also... Um, how well researched uh, the Kiwi players were on that tour. Um, um, they had obviously done. You'd obviously done your homework. Um, you knew you were coming into what was effectively a war zone. But uh, as a Dubliner, even though Belfast is only two hours up the road, um, it was almost like you know it felt would have felt like we were going into a different country as well. We weren't used to it as, as Southerners. But uh, cricket, like rugby, is a what we call a, it's an all island sport. It's um, a 32 county sport. So I was used to playing cricket with and against guys from the north. Uh, but the, those guys would have grown up with that. Um, funny story. I remember uh, after the first game in Dan Patrick. Um, at that time, certainly the following year in, at the Rugby World Cup, um, those particular All Blacks had a reputation for being sort of uh, uh, unapproachable. It may have been, I think Grizz Wiley was the coach at the time, but they weren't the friendliest bunch. But you guys were incredibly outgoing. And uh, I remember the, uh, it was Martin Sneddon came up to me in the bar and uh, bought me a drink um, as soon as we arrived in the bar after the game. And he asked me uh, an interesting question. He said, because uh, he knew that obviously the, the the conflict in Northern Ireland went back to a religious divide. So he wanted to know uh, on, on the QT, he wanted to know how many of our team, the Ireland team, were Catholics and how many were Protestants. Uh, and to be honest, I had to think about it for a minute because it wasn't something that really was important to me. But when I looked when I looked around the bar and I did a quick head count, uh, I realised I said to Martin, I said, "Well, I think you're looking at the only Catholic on the team," because I had been brought up as a Catholic, and it, it turned out that he had he was the only Catholic on the New Zealand team. So we were having a chuckle about this because you know it, uh, I was amazed that he was uh, he was so aware of this. Um, but I I also I remember that it was a it was an exceptional New Zealand team that you were part of. 
guys like Martin Crow, uh, Sir Richard Hadley. Um, so Irish cricket at the time was strictly amateur. So the, the contests were very one-sided. I was looking back at the uh, the score sheet there. I see from, um, from the the game and the scorecard from the game in Belfast that you actually got a wicket. Um, stumped Perora, Bull Smith, which I think uh, maybe tells the story about how competitive those games were. <laughs> hey, steady on, steady on. I was quite handy. I did a lot of bowling in the nets, Peter. To be fair, but you, you actually, you actually uh, removed Mark Greatbatch and Ken Rutherford. What do you remember about that? Um, well, I do. Yeah, Greatbatch was um, he was ranked pretty highly at the time. So that's a that's a prized wicket. I didn't get too many wickets for for Ireland. Didn't play that often, really. But when people ask me. Uh, about who you got out, you know, how many test players did you get out? I do mention Great Batch, um, but what I remember more about Mark was um, that he was great fun. Uh, his nickname, as you'll know, was uh, was Paddy. Um, I think because something to do with being taken away in the paddy wagon when he was a student. <laughs> um, but he he was uh, he was fantastic. Company. Uh, he was another guy who uh, who came to us, you know, in the in the bar afterwards. We didn't have to go to to him. Uh, he was really outgoing. Um, but I remember also that there was a there was a reception uh, one evening and uh, getting to talk to to Richard Hadley, you know, scene positions and and he he was he was so giving with his uh, his his knowledge and uh, he was very friendly as well. So very happy memories of that trip. I hope you do too, Ian. Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, it's unique. And, and um, when I talk to people about um, my times in cricket, it's right up there. Um, the experience uh, of being there in that time, around that time, <coughs> and enjoying the, the the amateur side of it. And, you know, I remember actually one of my, my great memories is uh, we were chasing uh, in terms of the first game at Downpatrick. Uh, so we were chasing around 140, 150, and uh, I was batting, I think, uh, eight or nine. Uh, and uh, we had lunch, and the lunch was uh, prepared uh, in the room there by uh, some some wonderful Irish women. Uh, and of course, uh, we never left. We never left. Uh, I think Martin Sneddon was with me because he was batting behind me. And we all we did was talk about uh, Irish life. Um, we we cursory glanced at the scoreboard every now and then just in case we were close to getting involved. But to be fair, it was the most it was the most amazing like two and a half hours. Uh, talking to these uh, these wonderful women who you know had their own experiences of far removed from uh, a cricket ground, being women uh, around the Belfast scene. So that uh, to me was one of my my great memories, uh, Peter. I, and one of the reasons uh, I also wanted to talk to you today uh, about the cricket is, of course, we we play Ireland this this weekend. We've got uh, three one day internationals. It's now long now no longer an amateur setup that you played in. What chance Ireland of upsetting um, a slightly understrength New Zealand side? Well, Ireland would be pretty, feeling pretty good about themselves uh, just at the moment um, because they played two one days, uh, sorry, two T20s actually against uh, against India in Dublin at the same ground in in Malahide, which is uh, just outside Dublin, uh, the same the same ground uh, uh, where New Zealanders will play on Sunday, uh, and they actually. You know, it wasn't. It obviously wasn't a full-strength Indian team because they had a Test match uh, against against England at, around the same time. But you had a lot of these young IPL stars 
playing and uh, and Ireland pushed them close in both games um, interestingly from from a from a Kiwi perspective uh, we've just uh, Ireland have just hired an, a new national coach in Heinrich Milan who's a who's a South African but who, who has kind of come through the New Zealand coaching system from from what I understand he he spent a bit of time coaching Auckland and also Central Districts I think um, yeah. I believe he's he's highly regarded um, so you know the way you get a bit of a bounce from a new coach who brings in new ideas and new energy he's quite you know he's quite a young guy um so it's it's still a uh it's still a minority sport in ireland but the guys who represent us at national level are are professionals and uh i think that we would look upon the black caps as as being almost a sort of the the model for what can be achieved um with a relatively small relatively small playing population um so new zealand they, they played in in dublin a few years ago and i remember uh, that it was that the the kiwis won but it was reasonably competitive i would imagine certainly more competitive than uh, than the games we played against each other so uh um, now, New Zealand are ranked one in, in, in the ODI ICC rankings, um, so it's you know it's not a game that Ireland would would expect to win, but they would definitely expect to be competitive, especially on the on their own turf. Well, uh, Peter, it's been great uh, catching up with you. Um, what I will uh, endeavour to do is I won't be in Dunedin, but I certainly will be in Wellington. I've got your number and. Uh, I think I owe you uh, at least a beer because it, it didn't sound like I came up and bought you a beer all those years back in uh, Belfast, and it probably it's, it's my t- it's it's probably my turn. So I, I will make contact with you in Wellington, and we'll endeavour to catch up on one of those uh, two nights around the Test match. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your insight into both the rugby and the cricketing side of things. Uh, and uh, good luck, Ireland. Go Ireland. Go Ireland this weekend. I think they'll go really, really close. That's my pick. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.